live in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And Father, we just thank you that we have that guarantee of our faith, that Holy, your Holy Spirit living within us. And Father, we know that you have said to us that you have plans for us. Father, that you have a hope and a future for us. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to move into the plans and purposes that you have for each of our lives. And Father, we recognize that there will be things in our lives which would seek to hold us back from entering into the full reality of the plans which you have for us. And Father, we pray that through your Spirit, you would show us those things. And Father, that you would help us to deal with those things and to put those things to an end. And Father, we pray, even as we turn to your word today, that you would speak to our hearts about the things which we perhaps need to leave behind, those things which are in our lives, are part of our lives today, that are not to be part of our future. And so, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak today. May the words that are said from this platform today be your words and your thoughts, and may they bring glory to your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. Amen. Okay, a little competition for the boys and girls. Um, there's four slides going to come up. It's the seasons. And I want you to hands up, no shouting out, okay? Hands up and see if you can guess which season this is. Here's the first one. I'm looking for hands. Amy. Well done. 10 out of 10. It's spring. Excellent. And uh, this one? Up the back, Abigail. It is autumn. Cool. Um, next one? What season is this? Amy, your hand is up first again. It is summer. Yep. So the last one must be... What is it? Winter. That's right. And uh, the seasons are something that are part of our lives every single year. It's interesting that we like change, but we like things to stay the same. So we like the winter to be nice and snowy sometimes, but only for a short time. And then we like summer to be like the, the last few weeks we've had where the sun is shining all the time. And the Bible talks about seasons, you know, not just the, the seasons that are, are spring, autumn, summer, winter, all these things. But the Bible says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. And when it says a time, it's talking really about an opportunity or a season. There's an opportunity or a season for every activity under the sun. Life is filled with seasons. But to move from one season into another, this sounds really obvious. We need to leave the previous season behind. I don't know if you've been thinking about this. I've been enjoying all this lovely sunny weather. I'm thinking, at some point in time, this is going to change. And autumn will be on the way. And we'll need to get our heating back on again. At some point in time, it's going to change. And I'm thinking, how am I going to feel? We've been spoiled by all this sunny weather. But in order to move from one season to the next, we need to leave things behind. If we do that, in our sort of natural living on the planet type lives, why do we find it so hard to apply the same principle to our inward life? And think about all the things that we hold on to and don't let go. And the reality is that some of us hold on to things that we should have got rid of years ago. Are there any hoarders in this place today? Hands up. Admit it. Are you a hoarder? 
yes, I am. Take a look at my office in there. It's not all my junk. Some of it is. Um, but some people just seem to want to hoard and hold on to absolutely everything that comes into their possession, not realizing that actually there's a time to get rid of stuff. Did you know that? A time to get rid of stuff. And uh, I, I, I met a, a man in Japan. His name was Asada. This isn't his picture, but he was, he, he was very like this wee man here that you see in the picture. Um, all his worldly goods traveled with him. All the stuff of his life went with him. His name was Osada, so I would sit down beside him and sit on his stash, because all his stuff was kind of piled up and you could sit on top of it. And I would sit on this stash of stuff. This was all he owned in the world and try and communicate with him. I was sitting with my, my dictionary, my Japanese-English dictionary and vice versa. We're trying to have a conversation and it was quite challenging. And, you know, I, I prayed for him for many, many years uh, and just kind of thought, I wonder whatever happened to him because I came away uh, back to the UK. And the reality for him is that he didn't really have a lot of stuff to get rid of. Maybe we hold on to things because we think that someday they'll be worth something. Have you ever, have you ever said that? One day that'll be worth something, yeah? Well, here's, here's a picture of an original Urwali book, which sold on the 5th of November 2014 for £5,400 at McTeer's auction. If you watch any of the Scottish TV, you'll know, you'll have heard the McTeer's. Uh, I can hear the adverts in my head. £5,400. But in order to gain £5,400, the person had to come to a necessary ending. They had to be prepared to part with the Urwali annual to start with. If they hadn't been prepared to do that, they would never have gained £5,400. Think about that. There are some things we've got to let go before we can grab onto the next thing and think about it spiritually. We'll come to that. Now, sticking on the theme of Urwali, um, I don't know if you read Urwali as a kid. I used to read Urwali all the time. And uh, one particular story was when Urwali was going to get a new pair of school shoes, right? If, if you remember this one. And what did he do when, when he went to uh, the shop to try on his new shoes? He tried them on and they're like, yeah, they fit great. Back to the house. And when he got back to the house, he's like, mum, they don't fit. They're too big for me. And what he had done was he had put on an extra couple of pairs of socks so that when he went to try on the shoes, they didn't fit when they came back because they were fine there, took the extra socks off, and then problem, shoes are too big. Why did he do this? Because he wanted to go back to the shop and not buy a pair of school shoes, but buy a pair of tackety boots. And that's what he did. And for some of us, we were like Urwali. We didn't like getting dressed up and fancy clothes, mother. <laughs> I remember the, the, the beige-checked jacket that I used to go to church in, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I want to go in my jeans and my T-shirt. <laughs> um, but there was a necessary ending in his, uh, in his old shoes. And I have an illustration for you. Don't go away. These little shoes used to fit a young man who's in this church 
who's now a size nine in shoe, okay, ten, sorry, jumps about like a dafty in a sleeping bag at Soul Survivor, okay? <laughs> it's hard to believe that he used to fit into these shoes. But you see, as he grew, there, be- there came a necessary ending. There came a time where Josh's feet didn't fit these cute little shoes. I've got a picture of them up on the screen as well, so I can put them through. A necessary ending, and not only one necessary ending, but a series of necessary endings where Josh's shoes stopped fitting him, and he needed a new pair, which is why we don't buy expensive shoes for Josh, because he's still growing. And once he stops, then he'll get decent shoes. Um, and, you know, we, we think about this and think about the natural uh, processes that we go through, the seasons, life changes. There are things that we need to leave behind. Our bodies grow. We need to leave certain clothes behind, our shoes perhaps. For some of us, we stop growing that way and we start growing that way. And there are certain trousers that we need to leave behind. However, can I just say that I still fit the suit that I've had for probably too many years. I'm maybe needing to have a necessary ending with that suit and buy a new one but I still fit it, which is quite cool. But Henry Cloud, uh, a man in America who worked closely with Bill Hybels and the church there, he wrote a book called Necessary Endings. And he says in the book, getting to the next level always requires ending something. Think about this for your life as a Christian. Think about this for your life in this church Getting to the next level always requires ending something. And I'm feeling a necessary ending with my glasses. I'm going to have to put on my other glasses because there's some things happening, seasons that I'm going through as a person, and my eyes just aren't working the same as they used to anymore. So now I can't see you, but I can see my notes. So I was struggling to read my notes, but I'd rather read my notes and struggle to see you, okay? So... Sorry, I have to change the glasses. I can't read my notes. <laughs> Getting to the next level always requires some uh, ending something, leaving it behind and moving on. Growth itself demands that we move on. Without the ability to end things, people stay stuck, never becoming who they are meant to be, never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities should afford them. Necessary endings, things that need to stop in order for us to move forward into the things which God has for us. Imagine you had not had the necessary ending with your old boyfriend or your old girlfriend, or let's uh, pluralize that, boyfriends or girlfriends if you were so inclined. Imagine you had not had necessary endings and you're now married and your old flame calls you up and ask you if you want to go out for dinner, how would your spouse feel? Your spouse would be saying, you need to put an end to this, and rightly so. Necessary endings. Life is full of necessary endings. And if we are not careful, our lives can be a series of necessary endings that never happened And the reality for all of us is that we carry life rubbish around with us for whatever reason, and we don't deal with it. 
We carry sin in our lives rather than confess it and repent. I should have said that there's an activity sheet for the boys and girls. My apologies. I should have done that during the announcements. It's about the story that we're just about to read. Okay. And it's a parable which Jesus told about a man who had a vineyard. And in his vineyard, there was a fig tree planted in it. And we're going to read from Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to, 6 to 9, if you want to look it up in your Bible. And this is what it says. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And when he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. Sorry, he went to look for fruit on it and did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, in my notes in my paper Bible, the Spirit-filled Life Bible, this is what it says as a commentary to this parable. Very brief. It says, the parable of the fig tree refers primarily to Israel. And we can think of John the Baptist's words as well when we think about this. Luke chapter 3 verse 8 says, John is saying to those who listen, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And he goes on in verse 9 to say, the axe is already at the root of the tree. And, if, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It goes on to say this in the notes. However, its truth applies also to all individuals who profess to believe in Jesus, yet fail to turn from sin. While God gives everyone sufficient opportunity to repent, he will not tolerate sin forever. A time will come when God's grace will be withdrawn and the unrepentant punish, punished without mercy. These are harsh words. And the parable if you think about it, it's very harsh, it's very clear, it's very direct. I thought about bringing along my axe today as a visual aid. I've got two axes in the garage and they're quite sharp, so I decided to just leave them there just in case. But if you've ever used an axe and you know the power and force that comes behind that and the way that it chops into the wood and chops into the tree, particularly a sharp axe, don't use a blunt axe, you'll injure yourself, it needs to be sharp. But that whole process is just such a violent process if you think about it. And Jesus is likening the treatment of people who don't repent to this violent process. There needs to be necessary endings in our lives. There are things in our lives which we need to cut out before God comes and cuts it out for us. Three things which I want to think about. These are uh, figs on a fig tree, the fruit that the tree should have given uh, the man but didn't. And did you know that even as a Christian, you can have all the appearances of life and still be unfruitful? The man came to the fig tree expecting to find fruit on it. The tree was healthy looking. It was covered in leaves, but there was no fruit. 
And as Christians, we can look healthy on the outside, just like the the fig tree with all its leaves, but actually not be bearing fruit. We can have an appearance of life. If you grow flowers or anything for that matter, you'll know the importance of pruning. Old flowers need to be cut off. We call it deadheading so that the resources can go back into the plant and into growing more flowers. Dead wood needs to be removed. And it's like the things in our life that God wants to come and deal with. There can also be an excess of buds on a rosebush or a tree or whatever. And the problem is that when there's an excess of buds, it stops the tree or the rosebush or whatever it is from fully flowering and being fruitful. And I think it's like our lives sometimes. We can have so many buds appearing because we're so busy and yet we don't have fruit in our lives. Sometimes our busyness can lead to a lack of fruitfulness. Many people will recognize this man if you watch TV on a Friday night. I love Monty Don. I think he's such a cool guy. And Monty, when he talks about pruning, says, cut to something that has life. Don't randomly hack away. When you're pruning back and you're in the garden, if you're into gardening, this, you'll know what I'm saying. If you're not in the garden, you'll be learning something, okay? When you're pruning back, you need to cut back, not just randomly, cut back to somewhere on the plant where there's life and you want new life to come from that point. Okay? And this is what he says, not randomly hacking away. And so when we think about our own lives and we think about maybe the things that we need to prune, you know, sometimes we can just say, right, that's it. I'm giving up, cutting everything out. I'm having a rest. I've had enough. That's randomly hacking away. That's not looking at the things which need to be cut out and yet leaving the things which have life in them already. And so it's not about just cutting everything out. It's about cutting out the things that God has shown us. And when you think about your life, I ask you the question, what in your life has the life of God in it? And what in your life does not have the life of God in it? What in your life is deadwood that needs to be cut away through confession and repentance? You see, God looks for this as the owner of the vineyard looked for fruit on the fig tree. The owner of the vineyard is like the Father, Father God who comes along and he says, this tree should be bearing fruit. This person should be bearing fruit by now. Three years is a long time to be established as a tree and not have borne fruit. How long do we need to be a Christian before we start being fruitful? I think we can start being fruitful right away as a Christian. And just as the owner of the vineyard expected to find fruit, so God expects to find fruit in us. The second thing uh, that I want to talk about is vision. Coming back to the fig tree, and there's a picture of one up on the screen, the landowner expects to find fruit. He, he has a vision for how this tree should be. He expects to be able to come along and see that it's leafy and green and pick fruit from it. God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for your life being fruitful. And when God comes along to see how you're doing with that, he expects to find the fruit in your life. He expects to say, 
wow, look at that. That's incredible. God has a vision for each of our lives. And we have to decide for ourselves whether or not we're going to be willing to prune away and allow that life to come, to allow the vision that God has for us to come to pass. What's the solution for fruitless Christianity? If we look at the parable here, there's a man who in the King James Version is known as the vine dresser, the man who attends to the landowner's garden. And he's the one who comes along and says, give me some time, give me a year, let me dig around the roots, let me put fertilizer in, and it'll be interesting to smell. But let me do something with it. And if there's no fruit after a year, then cut it down. But let me do something with it. And I think what this speaks of is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we talk about so often, this amazing grace. Jesus, in his grace, says to the Father, give me a wee bit more time with this person. Let me just feed them a wee bit. Let me try and sort the things out. And then, if there's no fruitfulness, then we take it to the next stage. There is an expectation that our lives are fruitful. Even Jesus said, one of the fruits, by this shall all men know that you are my, my disciples if you have love one for another. How do we know we can see fruitfulness in people? And so very briefly, and I'm almost finished, what do we need to cut away? What needs to be chopped out of our lives as Christians in order to be fruitful? Well, the first thing that I wanted to mention was attitudes. Attitudes and odors are closely linked. Did you know that? Attitudes and smells are closely linked. If you've been in the church long enough, you'll know that I've talked about this before, if you remember it. But the problem with some people, I don't know if you're aware of this term, is that some people become what's known as nose-blind Okay? Have you ever heard that expression? You become nose blind. In other words, there's a certain smell comes off of you and you're just not aware of it because it's part of who you are, right? Now, to give you an example, I spent a year working in Japan and I remember those work day mornings going down early, a roasting hot day, and it's only seven o'clock in the morning, and you go onto the train which is air conditioned. And you're in a train beside people who eat seaweed and fish. Okay? That creates a certain kind of smell. Okay? Which the Japanese people in the train are nose blind to. They can't smell it. They smell me coming on and think, man, that guy smells like dairy. He, he's been drinking far too much milk. We have a certain smell to, to other people who are not of our ethnicity. Did you know that? But we become nose-blind to certain smells. You know, I, I'll sometimes say to somebody if they come into my house, how does it smell? You know, there's no kind of odd smells in the house, is there? Um, I think of another example from Mitsubishi, and it was the people who used to smoke. I remember when I started there, smoking was allowed in the canteen, and you'd walk into the canteen, and you'd sit down to have your, your, your breakfast or whatever it was, lunch, 
And I would come back home at the end of the day absolutely reeking of smoke. I smelt like I smoked 20 fags a day. But I didn't. It was because I was in this atmosphere and this environment. Smoking and drinking coffee and then having conversations. And people are noseblind. It's like, my goodness, you should go and have a mint. <laughs> because you can't actually smell what you smell like. And attitudes are like smells. We can become blind to our own attitudes. We stop seeing it in ourselves. And we need people to be able to come along and say, by the way, your attitude stinks. You need to sort that out. Hopefully we have people who are willing to say those types of things to us. So our attitudes, there are certain things that need to be cut out of our lives. Habits, bad habits, life-controlling habits sometimes, things that need to have a necessary ending in our lives. I could go through a massive, massive list of all our bad habits. I don't think I will, though. In fact, I'll just leave that little section. Rather than anybody think, anyone think I'm singling you out, allow the Holy Spirit to show you if there are bad habits in your life that you need to sort out. Third thing, conversations. When you begin to talk about other people in a way that you shouldn't be talking about them. These are things that need cut out of our lives. They don't help a church. They don't help us as individuals. They don't help our families. And there are conversations that we're having that need to experience a necessary ending. Things that we say, things that we think. And even these three points, it's a very short list. I intentionally kept it short so that the message would stay short today. I don't need to talk too much about the things maybe that we need to cut out of our lives. But our lives need to be fruitful. If we don't cut this rubbish out of our lives, then we will be less fruitful than we should be. We might even be totally unfruitful as a Christian. And just briefly... What are some of the things that we should be expecting in our lives? Well, I had four things which the Bible talks about. The first one is the fruit of repentance. Matthew 3.8 says this, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance comes after confession. It comes after acknowledging that God is right. God's assessment about the situation is right. And when we accept his assessment, then we have an opportunity and also an obligation to say, actually, I'm going to turn around from the way that I think this should be and I'm going to do things the way that you think it should be. And please, Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me to do that. That's what repentance is. Repentance is like fruit that we bear in our lives. The Bible also talks about the fruit of righteousness Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, I talked about that brown check jacket that I used to wear as a child, okay? That was picked for me, okay? And sometimes in the very same way, I choose things to put on that I think are righteous things, I'm going to put on something in my life that maybe other people will go, oh, look at Stevie. Isn't he really good? Isn't he really righteous? 
And the Bible tells us that all the things that we put on and that we think are righteousness are just like rags. But what the Bible tells us is that when we put our trust in Jesus, then we begin to wear His righteousness. It's not about us. It's about what He has done on the cross and what He has accomplished for us and that we put on His righteousness like, a, like putting on a new jacket. But it's like fruit in our lives. It's what God expects of us. Repentance and righteousness. Another one here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess His name. Our praise and our worship is like fruit in our lives. Imagine how, imagine how God feels when we come together on a Sunday morning and we begin to worship and we begin to sing our songs and they're coming from that place of honesty and truth in our hearts and we're expressing something, we're expressing something of our joy and our salvation that He has given us. Imagine what God does when he sees that the vine the 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 owner of the vineyard coming a year later and saying wow there's fruit in the fig tree it's worked great we're not going to chop it down after all let's feed it some more our praise is like fruit that comes from our lips lips and voices that confess his name and lastly Probably one of the most famous passages about fruit is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's no law against these things. If there is, it's about how much fruit are we evidencing in our lives. God expects his people to be fruitful. So, when we come together on a Sunday morning and the pastor jumps about like a dafty when he's singing a song, he's just expressing the joy that's in his heart about his salvation. And you're perfectly at liberty to do that as well. The peace that we have when we're in difficult situations where something's happened in life that's out with our control. And the peace that we have in those difficult situations that speaks to other people and they see the fruit in our lives and they think, how can that person have such a peace in that situation? The reason is because we have the Holy Spirit inside us and there is that fruit that is being produced in the difficult situation. So what is God saying to you today specifically what in your life is like dead wood and needs to be cut away what in your life needs to experience a necessary ending is there anything in your life are you overly busy to the extent that you have stopped being fruitful and need to have some necessary endings do you have sin in your life that needs cut out painful though that may be so that there can be a necessary ending to fruitfulness. And I felt very specifically to finish with this today. And my, <coughs> 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 my 
hate it when you go to speak and nothing comes out. <clears throat> Thinking back to the picture of the person who was the hoarder. And I felt what God was saying was to stop holding on to your past, thinking that it's all you have. God has a future for you. And sometimes the reason you do not have a necessary ending is due to a lack of faith. We don't have a necessary ending with some of the things that we hold on to because we think, perhaps, for some people, I might never get that chance again. I might never be able to afford that again. Whatever it is. But there are things that we need to leave in the past. In God's economy, sometimes it is because there is a lack of faith in our lives. Sometimes we're holding on to things from the past when God is saying, I want you to let that go because of a new thing for you. That might be something that you've been doing to serve God. And God is saying it's time for a necessary ending for that. Time to stop that. You know, and uh, next year will be the last of these soul survivor events run by that particular group of people because they have sensed that it's God's time for a necessary ending for them. Now, the, I think from what I can gather, the event's still going to run with other people. might be looking a bit different. I don't know. But these people have decided that there's time for a necessary ending. And whatever holds you in your past and stops you from moving into the future that God wants for you, his vision of fruitfulness for your life Please, can I urge you to take the bold step and cut it out of your life. Have a necessary ending with it. And it's not only for you, it's also for the church. God has a purpose for this fellowship. And God needs each one of us to be coming to that place of necessary endings with whatever it is in order that we as a church move forward into the plans and purposes that he has for us. There needs to be some necessary endings. Perhaps there are things in the life of the church that we have been doing for years, and I'm off my notes and off script now, but perhaps there are things which have been part of who we are for years that need to have a necessary ending in order for God to do the new thing that he wants to do. It's about his plans, his purposes, it's his church, and it's it's him that we're striving after and seeking to serve and seeking for our lives to bear fruit in the direction that he has for us as a church. My prayer for this church is that we enter into a new level of fruitfulness. And maybe, just maybe, there are things that we need to prune away in order for us to get to that place. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes in prayer. And Father, we, we recognize that your desire is to speak into our hearts always. Father, you long for relationship with us. And Father, sometimes we're just not listening to what you want to say to us. And so, Father, we pray that we would hear your words. Even today, perhaps, something has been said, which is what you want to speak into our hearts. 
And Father, we ask that it would find a resting place. Father, that we ask that, the, that just like the parable of the sower or the, perhaps the parable of the soil, that what you have said would find good soil in our hearts today. And Father, that you would cause it to grow as you water it by your Spirit. And Father, we pray that you would take each of us uh, as individuals here to new levels of fruitfulness. Father, that you would give us the courage to face those things in our lives which need a necessary ending. Father, to face those things even which are good in our lives, but Father, they're not part of our future and we need to leave them behind. And so, Father, we pray that you give us wisdom to discern your voice, wisdom to discern the things which need to be left behind. Father, the wisdom to understand what you're saying to this church. And Father, just even thinking about the message from last week, Father, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Father, we recognize that we are just like jars of clay. But Father, we have your Holy Spirit live within us. And Father, we pray that as your Spirit lives within us,